Oh, yeah. I like it when you clap for me. But I like it better when you throw money. It's never happened. But I've got faith. One day. One day. Um, I'll tell you all a story about um, um, a service that we were in one time when my wife and I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, going to Bible school about a guy that they covered him up with money. It was pretty cool. I'll tell you all the story another time. I won't waste I won't waste my time now, but I'll tell you. If you yeah, if, if you ask me, I'll I'll tell it after the service. But it was a cool, pretty cool. But God just moving. So the title, uh, of course, is Soul Healthy, So Healthy. Um, and basically, what we're going to be talking about is, um, of course, we're talking we're talking about healing, of course, and being healthy. Um, but but we kind of wanted to back up just a little bit because the your health. And not just for your body, all, all your health, mental health, uh, financial health, all, all prosperity um, stems back to the condition of your soul. Um, I'll go ahead and read um, 3 John chapter 2, if you guys don't mind. You guys ready? Yeah. Um, you know, um, God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's greater than we know he is. I mean, we, we know God's good, right? Yeah. But he's better than that. He's better. The Bible says that for ages to come, he will be shocking us, just amazing us. Is that, is that awesome? Yeah. Like a billion years from now, he'll come out with something and we'll all still go, oh, I can't believe, really God? Still? Because that's how good our God is. He just says never-ending goodness. All right? Um, so 3 John chapter 2, and I'm, I think this is in the English Standard Version. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. All right? Now, I used to, when I read, read this, used to, it, it, I used to read it that, that John here was writing to a man named Gaius. I guess it was a guy. He just says Gaius. It has the word guy in there, so I figured it was a guy. I guess it's Gaius. It could be. I don't know. His, it's, it's not on there because it's in verse 1, but G-A-I-U-S. I figured it was Gaius. It might be goose. It might be juice. Yeah. Gaius? I think it is Gaius. And, and we'll say it's a guy since it's got guy, guy in there. But I used to think that he was saying you can be healthy as long as your soul is healthy. But really, if you read the story, if you keep reading, he was, already, he was saying that your souls are already healthy. I see that your souls are healthy because they were walking in truth and they were preaching the gospel and helping others preach the gospel, if you read it. But John still was saying, I, I want to pray that, I, I wish that above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And I want to, to say here right at the beginning that it is always God's will for us to be well. Always. Even if it's your fault. You know, we have an example right here. Vicky was a few weeks ago going to do yard work. She fell and broke her ankle. Her fault. Completely her fault. Wasn't my fault. Wasn't God's fault. I didn't do it. I wasn't even there. But look, her ankle's healed. It's God's will that her ankle be healed. 
even if it was her fault. So even if it's our fault, no matter what we do, it's always God's will that we be healed. Now, I've heard that our soul, I've heard that our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions. And I put down here in my notes, I kind of was thinking about that. I said, well, I don't mind, I don't, okay, if we'll, we'll say if our soul is our mind, our will, and emotions, but I kind of wanted to add to it, and I said here, your soul responds to senses, it thinks, and it decides. And it's true. Our soul does those things. And you know, I, I really, when I was studying for this, I really just got kind of amazed at how important it is that our soul be in the right place and that it do the right things. Because your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions can make decisions that can affect your health negatively. Just close your eyes and run out there in the loop. <laughs> just make that choice, you know, just run out there. Hey, I'm going to just decide. I'm going to run out in the loop, close my eyes. Just run. Probably not a good thing to do, right? Could affect your health very bad. So it's very, very important that our souls be renewed. And that's my first point. We must renew our souls with God's word. We must renew our minds, the way we think, the way we decide. All right? James chapter 1, verse 21 in the New King James Version says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This verse right here tells us that evidently our souls need to be saved. You know, when we got born again, when we accepted Jesus, our spirit man, who we really are, was born again, and we were saved right then. Our soul and our body was not yet saved. Our souls and our bodies were not saved at that point. Our bodies will be saved when Jesus returns, when we get the new body. But while we're here on this earth, we, ha we have this task of saving our souls or renewing our souls. That's our job. Romans chapter, two, verse, uh, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is there anyone here tonight that wants to prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I do. If it's able to be proven, I want to prove it. Now, when we read this scripture, it looks like to me that without renewing your mind, you will never do that. You will never prove God's perfect will unless you renew your mind. Is that what, is that what your Bible reads? So if we don't renew our minds, we can't expect to prove God's perfect will. And I know, that, I know some of your minds might be saying, I could never prove God's perfect will. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You sure can. So I'm going to move to my second point, and it, it is it takes time to renew your mind. That's all. It just takes time. You know, I was thinking, um, I was thinking while I was preparing this um, message, I was trying to think of something, you know, where I could think about in my own life where it took me time to get prepared for something. When I first got born again, I was 18 years old. Um, I didn't know that I could sing. I didn't know that I could sing decent pretty well. I couldn't play guitar. Uh, I wouldn't even have thought of gotten up here and doing what I'm doing right here now because I just wasn't prepared for that. My mind was not prepared for that. You know, I would, I'd be like, no way. If somebody would have told me, you're going to be singing, you're going to be speaking in front of people. When I was 18, no way. 
No way. There's no way. And I know that in each one of your lives, you can probably think of something where at one time you were not prepared and it took a little bit of time. Now, I'm 47 now. So, I mean, that's almost 30 years ago. But still, I'm getting better at it, you know, and I'm, I'm learning things and I'm growing just like, we're, just like we all are. And that's God's plan and will for us. He's, it's okay with God that we, it takes us time. He doesn't, he doesn't expect us to renew our minds overnight. But he does, he does expect us that when we do learn something, to go ahead and put it to work. You know, don't, don't, know, don't know something that, that's God's will and then not act on that. That could be dangerous to you. Uh, there's just a process that we have to go through. Um, you know, we all know uh, that Christian people should probably read their Bibles. Christian people should probably talk to God. Pe- Christian people should probably listen to God. Uh, probably a good idea to go to church, give, love people, right? We know that. Well, if you know that, then do that. You know, it's only, like I say, it's only when you know to do something right and then you don't do it, that's when it can get you in trouble. So if you know to do it, um, then do it. I want to read something out of Proverbs chapter 2, and this is out of the Passion Translation. Uh, it, starting in uh, Passion, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, it says, My child, will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. And only if you accept my advice and hide it within you will you succeed. So train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. Then pass it on to your sons and daughters. Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. For if you keep seeking it like a man would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you will discover the fear of the Lord and find the true knowledge of God. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God, and every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to his godly lovers. Thought I could get through it, but that's good stuff, isn't it? He becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Then you will discover all that is just, proper, and fair, and be empowered to make the right decisions as you as you walk into your destiny. The thing that I wanted to say about this was, and I think that where a lot of Christian people are, we get to a place to where we know God's good and we know that he has good things for us. And then when we attempt to when we attempt to receive those things from him and it doesn't turn out like the way maybe we think that it should, then we get a little bit discouraged. But the Bible says here that we have to, we have to seek after it and seek after him like we're seeking for hidden treasure. 
I don't know if, if there's anybody in here that's ever looked for hidden treasure, but I know I've seen shows about these people that look for hidden treasure, and those people are those people spend everything they've got, every moment, every every second of their time is thinking about digging or finding or something. You know, you know what I'm saying? And that's what that's what I think where a lot of Christian people are is we want God's healing in our bodies. And maybe we haven't received it yet, but maybe we're not quite seeking it the way we should. Maybe we're not giving it everything, you know, like the scripture is saying here. Seek it with all your heart, with everything you got. And that's what I hope after tonight that we'll, when we leave here, we'll, maybe our hearts will be bent that way a little bit more. Mark chapter 4 talks about the sower and the seed that was sown. I, I don't want to read the whole thing, but I just want to ask you guys a question. Has, has anybody ever done any gardening? Gardening is tough work, isn't it? It's a constant, it's a constant battle of either pulling weeds or watering or taking care, getting the bugs off. Y'all you know what I'm saying? You plant some kind of plant, it grows, and it seems like there's all kinds of things that are destined to try to not let that thing grow fruit. And we've got to be vigilant to not let that happen. Uh, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 4 talks about when the word is sown into our hearts. Sometimes Satan comes, deceives us, and then we let go of it. Okay, well, maybe it didn't work then. It also talks about afflictions and persecutions. It talks about the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things. Uh, it talks about the cares of the world. Anybody ever worry about anything? That stuff can, can rob the word of God that's planted in us when we get our minds too much on that. And so we have to be vigilant that we don't let these things happen. My third point tonight, refuse to lose. I had a, I had a big old long sentence on there, man. It was... Uh, I wrote down, take time to identify and refuse the hindrances to healing. That's, con that's complicated, isn't it? Refuse to lose just sounded better. I, I said, you know, I'm going to shorten this up. And this is, the way we, this is the way we have to be. This is the way we have to be. We've just got to absolutely refuse. You know, for years and years and years uh, in the church I grew up in, it was just kind of taught that it's God's will to, for you to be sick. You know, they taught that. Sometimes it's God's will. And I'm glad that I got past that, that I finally realized that's not right. That's not right. It's never God. You know what, you know what sickness teaches us? That sickness is bad. <laughs> and we, we, don't need to, we don't need to get sick to know that, do we? We just already know that. And so why would God do that? Why would God ever want to do that to us? He doesn't want us to, to lose so let's refuse to lose. Um, there's a couple of scriptures that I, that I want to read to you guys. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 says, When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Again, just showing God's will. Yes, I will. I always want, I always will that you be healed. In Mark 16, verse 18, it's talking about believers, and this is Jesus speaking here. He said, the believers will take up serpents 
And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall, or they will, recover. Now, the thing that I want to say about this verse here is, you know, Jesus walked around healing people, and a lot of times they got healed instantaneous. Bam, just just instantly, you know. Even when I wrote here, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. But you know, the Bible never promises us that. Now, it can happen. I'm not saying that it can't, and it can, and it would, and it, and it does. It does happen. But again, I think a lot of Christian people, they want to be healed in their bodies or whatever healing it is they want in their life, and they believe God, and then when it doesn't happen immediately or it doesn't happen too quickly, they kind of give up on it. Well, that's exactly what we don't want to do is give up on it. You keep hanging on. You know, I was thinking about Abraham. When God told him, hey, you're going to have a child, he was like 70-something. He was like 70-something years old. But he didn't have the son until he was 100. So he had, to, he had to believe for 25 years, like something like 25 years. And are we willing to do that? Anybody here believe something for more than 25 years? If I thought about it long enough, I might, could, I might could think about it. I'm old enough to. But that's a long time to hang on to something that God said, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine his body's telling him every day, hey, man, you're 90. <laughs> right? I mean, imagine, what, imagine the struggles he had right here. Imagine the soul struggles and the mind struggles he had. I'm 90. God talked to me like 20 years ago. I don't know. And we see he struggled with it a little bit. I mean, we see he tried to answer, you know, he tried to get it to happen his own. But let's not give up. All right. The Bible says if we pray and believe, we will recover. And so let's not get up. Uh, my fourth point tonight, and we're getting pretty close to, to wrapping it up. Get confident and endure or have patience. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 6. This is good stuff too. Reading again out of the Passion Translation. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. And if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. But he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. We can't be like this. When we go to God and we say, God, I want to be healed, can I be healed? His answer is yes. And from that moment, then we start acting like we're healed. And we don't give up on it. We, we, we got to get confident. And you know, I know that getting confident about this is not something that's going to happen overnight either. It might take a little while. You might feel tonight unconfident about God wanting me to be well. You may, you may have doubts about it. But get in the Word. Begin to, the more you read this Word, I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but what, this verse that I just read, man... That's, that's powerful, isn't it? I mean, God's saying, I will give you wisdom. Anytime you ask for it, I'll give it to you. 
That, is, that builds confidence in us. And the more we think about that and we talk about that and we speak it to ourselves saying, you know what, God, God has healed me. God will heal me and he has healed me. And the more we, you know, the more we speak it and talk it, we get more confident. And then once we get confident about it, then just be patient and just, be, and just wait. All right, just wait and just continue. I'll finish with I'll finish with one more uh, scripture verse, and I don't think this I don't think this one's up here, but First Timothy chapter four, verse thirteen through sixteen. Paul's talking to Timothy, and Paul said to Timothy, "Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them." that your profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will both save yourself and, the, and them that hear you. Paul told Timothy, and I don't know if, I don't think it's in here, but at, at another place, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you by putting yourself in remembrance of it. And he talks about laying hands on him at one time. Now we know here by reading it that he wasn't talking about laying hands on him for physical healing. But you know, Jesus laid hands on people for physical healing. And we just read a little while ago, believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, didn't we? So when we, so when we, when we get prayed for and we have hands laid on us, and you know you don't have to have anybody lay hands on you to be healed, you can pray yourself. You can agree in prayer with someone else. You can speak the word to yourself. You can speak the name of Jesus over yourself and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Peter did it. And we can do it. But whatever way that you pray or get prayed over or agree or whatever to get your physical healing, you may not feel like, oh, I'm, you may not feel immediately healed. But does it mean you're not healed? Does it mean you're not? It doesn't. He said, we have to believe. And there's, there could be a recovery time. So Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect that gift that's in you. Just keep stirring it up. Every day, every time you feel that ache, oh, oh wait a minute, we prayed. I prayed, wait, but I, but I prayed. But I prayed. And remember, Lord, that, that gift of healing is in my body and it's working in me mightily. And just be patient to watch it. Watch it happen. All right? Father, we love you.